Nick King, you have been in sales uh, for decades and you've gone from the days of the telephone to now the video age. Uh, and yeah. so you've experienced using uh, uh, sales without video and using sales with video. So just give us a little bit of a, fun a thumbnail of that journey that you've taken. Yeah, it's a good question. So I started off in sales actually in, in Copenhagen of all places. I'm originally from, from England, but I started off in what would be classed as really kind of boiler room, cliched boiler room environment. So it was just hardcore telephone sales. And, but what I learned, what I, the skill I learned actually was being able to prospect and open doors and introduce myself and get to know people and build rapport all done just using your voice. Right? And so it's a great skill to learn, but oh my, I wish I knew about video back then. I think even back then, I mean, this is 20, 20 odd years ago. I don't know whether the internet would have survived sending video through it on email. <laughs> Um, and I don't think there are many platforms available to send a video message to. But now, you know, if, if it worked just using your voice, imagine when you've got your voice and your face included. And so I just think it's just such a great opportunity to be able to be able to use video across the entire sales process or buying process. And obviously the starting point for that for many is how do we get to know new people within a business that they're currently working in or net new businesses, companies that, or services, whoever you're selling to, you maybe haven't spoken to before that that initial introduction is so potent to be done with video. And that's one of the great things about video, isn't it? Is, is literally brings that I mean, the traditional sales processes are, many touch points of maybe an email, someone filling out a form, which leads to a few emails, which might lead to a phone call, which leads to back and forth, trying to get calendars synced to let's have a face-to-face -face meeting. And then yeah. after that face-to-face -face meeting, hopefully you might do a transaction. But the power of video is it takes that face-to-face -face meeting right back to the start of the sales cycle. And it's so powerful. You can get the measure of a person, which is really what you're doing in the in the face-to-face -face meeting, is you're saying, can I do business with this person as long as, you know, the product and the service is a match? You know, exactly right. And, and I think you can be quite imaginative uh, with, with video. And I think where a lot of organisations that have kind of switched on to video and its utility in the in the buying and selling transaction maybe many are still in the in the, i think it was the asynchronous so you're sending a video to be listened to at some point in the future um and then and then you've got the uh, is it not that's not async asynchronous i think is a zoom call but you know where you're sending a video that listened to but they can't respond immediately to you at that time so but i'll, just, so I'll other... just jump in i'm going to jump in yeah. so everyone's got clarity yeah. on that What's the definition Synchronous is a Zoom call yeah. when you're there with each other talking. Asynchronous is where you can listen to it at your own convenience it, in the future. Ah, there we or go. Or so in the past. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? So, so but the, I mean, if you can brainstorm, where, where can you, where does asynchronous video feature along with synchronous video that we've all got used to? So the synchronous video, the format of that, yeah, it's a Zoom call or a Teams call or a Google Meet call, whatever it is, right? Or, a, or whatever, a live stream, whatever it is. 
It's what we're but doing here, ancient. Nick. Exactly, exactly, right? Yeah. Exactly. So it's, pa- it's powerful. But even this, right, so this format here for us right now is synchronous. But when people watch this, it's going to be synchronous. For it, Sorry. Uh. For us, it's synchronous. When someone watches this, it's asynchronous. So my point is this format as well is a format that you can actually use in 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 the sales cycle. And so what I mean by that, it doesn't have to be just you, you know, as whether sales rep, customer service person, um, solution engineer, w- whichever kind of role you're playing in working with buyers, it doesn't have to be just you. You This format's brilliant. Imagine talking to a partner. Imagine talking to one of your executives and having this kind of interview style format and then sending that as a, as, as a, as a video that's going to complement wherever you're at in the journey with um, a potential buyer. So video opens up a whole different world in regards to the type of engagement we can have with the buyer. So where where are businesses that you can see, whether it's a a small business or a large business, an organization, Mm -hmm. at what point of the adoption um, cycle are they with, with video for sales? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I haven't done a LinkedIn poll on this. Uh, I I haven't done any research on it. It's just a bit of a feel. But I do follow it, though, as as best I can. And I do read the research reports by the go-to organisations, or those companies that have now got synonymous with this, like Vidyard, Vidyard for example, um, especially for kind of sales organisations that want to send pro- prospecting-type video to. And and the research is really saying on that bell curve, I don't think we're even past the first curve yet. Um, and I think what it is is that it, it, it is complex. It was complex before COVID, uh, and the complexity is the combination now more so than ever before the other mega trend i'd say in business is that where sales and marketing are beginning to kind of merge together a little bit right and video is one of the bridges that really kind of squidges them right together okay who creates that who is responsible for creating that who pleases that right and and so i think the the adoption curve is not only comfort level um people's just willingness to to put themselves on camera partly that but also there's this i think there's a whole consideration around even if a company were to say yeah we really want to incorporate video who who does manage that who is responsible for that you know if a salesperson is sending a video out to the market who and there's a response who gets the response is that it does that go through our new standard filtration process or do we develop a new one and so it, it, there, I think there's also that consideration that maybe delays the adoption is, is what my, my thinking on it. Yeah, I actually think there needs to be almost like a new position created. And I just call it the CVO, the chief video officer, because video <laughs> in a sense sits as an umbrella above yeah. so many departments, sales, marketing, recruitment, communications. And unlike email, which is sort of, video is like a tool. I mean, video is really just another tool that Hmm. sits alongside uh, emails and and phone calls, but it is different in the sense because it's more of a complex beast um, and takes more resources to make. It needs to be, you know, uh, the every person can't make exactly the same sort of video, like almost everyone can send 
the same sort of email. So you need almost an extra layer. Um, So I I just call that person the CVO. Um, But, yeah, I I think this requires a whole new uh, type of thinking within Mm. an organisation. So where – so, like, I don't have to sell you – on video, Nick, and using video in sales, you, you know, I mean, you get it. Customers love it. It's mm. never been easier to make. Uh, and you don't have to be perfect on it. Now, you know this, I know this, but within an organization, can you just tell me from your experience in sales, uh, maybe say the individual and then the section and maybe the department? and, you know, larger organisation as a whole, where those levels of resistance are? Yeah, it's a good question. I suppose to put some context around that, you know, yeah, I've, I've you know, been in sales pretty much all of my my adult life, so 20-odd 20, 20 years, both as an individual contributor and, and, and manager, and now actually work more within sales enablement. So I've got that kind of view of it as, as well. And, of course, I mean, the larger the the... The bigger the organization, the more layers there are and, and the more people that need to, I suppose, um, get, get on that train, right? Come aboard the video train. So I think that for the kind of small to medium, medium um, enterprise side of town, I think that I really, I think that really comes down to making sure, okay, even if, we, if we're comfortable getting on camera, what is it that we're saying? What's the message that we want to send? How is this going to be received? And with my with my qualitative polling to understand where does this resistance come from? You're, you're happy to stand up in front of a meeting room. You're happy to go to a conference. But as soon as someone slaps a lens in front of you, it all goes, as they proverbially say in England, Pete Tong, right? And so I think it, what it is, I've heard that people feel a lack of control over then what happens with the video. Which is strange, really, isn't it? Because when you think about it, we're well, not strange, but when you compare it to an email, you know, you send an email that could be forwarded wherever. Okay. And so, but I think it's because it's them on there. It's you, person, exposing oneself. So I think there is a, a personal resistance, but I think also it does come come back to, and also, will, will, does said video fall into the hands of people we generally just do not want it to be in the hands of competitors, <laughs> right, other organisations? So I think there's just a, a resistance around it. But I think what partly will cure uh, that is is really with with all of these kind of demand and supply, these adoption curves, I think a lot of it's got to come from the customer. What does the customer want? And I think once the customers start voicing their opinion around, this is an effective way for me to engage with you. And I like this. I like not... I like being able to listen to something or watch something in my own time that adds value to potentially my doing business with you. Then I think that that hopefully kind of will knock down a lot of the the hindrances and, and barriers because essentially me as a service provider, I'm being told by my customer, I like this, I want this, give me more. And hopefully that the voice of the customer is what's prioritized in in that in that circumstance. So um, where does that leave, Nick? I'm just going to jump in because yeah, yeah. Where, if, if the customer demand grows so much and that, that voice becomes so loud that your business mm. cannot ignore it any longer and you say as a leader, as a manager to your teams in sales, 
hey everyone, we've got a jump on video. I can tell you now what everyone in that room is figuratively or literally going to do. They're going to yeah. cross their arms like this and go, not me. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I don't do video. So yeah. where does that leave the sales team, the sales manager? Yes, I think when it, when it comes to, you know, you get that proverbial kind of, right, we're going to go do video and everyone's arms crossed and everyone kind of looks out the window, <laughs> not trying to make eye contact. Uh, I think, you, you know, there's no silver bullet to this. You know, there's no run one right answer, like with many things, but there's just ideas. And I think what I've found that works in the past when it comes to, implementing something which others may seem risky, which may be paving in new ways. You've got to find your champions. You've got to find the people that are willing to kind of work with you initially and be, be your sponsors, your advocates. And, and one way of determining who they could be, especially when we talk about video, is if, you do, if you've done anything like your disc profiling, you know, the behavior and communication profiling, DI, S and C, and there's other models out there and they all kind of talk about the same thing. But you know, you've got the D's and the I's, which are in that kind of category of being extroverts. And then the, the, the S's and the C's are more you're introverted. So it's those people on the team that are kind of sitting in that D or I quadrant who are more inclined. They don't mind being in front of the camera. They may Their profile fits to maybe not really minding about what people think of them, which I think is another debilitating thing. You know, what will people think of me? Um, and that's a lot of work that you do, right? You, you know, people, you, you're, you're such the big, the, the hardest judge of anyone is yourself. And, uh, um, and, and the way that you judge yourself is nowhere near the way that people think about you. But nonetheless, but the D's and the I's is going back to that idea. I'm probably more inclined to be willing to put themselves out there, if you will. And so maybe it is, maybe it comes back to being a bit more strategic or probably more tactical and saying, all right, we know this is. We know that the market is open for this. Uh, we've got our messaging right. Our relationship between sales and marketing is getting getting good. What do we do next? Okay, let's try and locate some individuals in the team that we can kind of put up on a little bit of a podium to say you are going to pave the way for the rest of the team. And obviously, that's that's playing to their strength though. It's not doing anything with anyone that makes them feel just completely uncomfortable because we know what happens on video. It's just exaggerated. And so uh, maybe that's just an idea, quite a bit of a tactical play, but but um, I think it's probably an important one to consider. So, yeah, I mean, that's that idea of, of getting your evangelists. But I've also found that you don't have to be the extroverted type to be able to do it. Right. Now, being extroverted is good mm. in the sense that a lot of extroverts, um, like my wife is the classic extrovert. Her, yeah. her mouth is actually connected to her brain. Like she just <laughs> thinks verbally in real time, which is, yeah. in one sense, is is great. Uh, but with video, uh, it can also be the other per, uh, type where you, a little bit of deep thinking and slower, because video, you don't just have to be on video like we are now. You could be doing a screen share uh, on mm. your desktop, maybe, you know, showing someone um, around, you know, uh, even, you know, and whether it's in sales or whether it's in training, you know, how to uh, go through and, and follow a procedure. Uh, I like, the thing about videos is so many different ways to do it. And it does actually cater for so many different sorts of personalities. But what you were saying that uh, it's called FUMO, FOMO, FUMO. And I actually was reading uh, Ash Barty, who's just won Wimbledon, her yeah. coach, was talking about this the other day and saying that it was a big thing about with, with her uh, that she has mastered that fear of other people's opinions. 
yeah, and, yeah. you know, she, uh, you, you just uh, have to learn that uh, you have to balance between how much is that worth to you uh, and how much is your, I guess, personal growth and personal growth within a business and learning to use video, uh, if that you do worry about what other people say to you, it, it is completely debilitating. But it's very human as well. Yeah, I mean, and and you you you're a great messenger of of this work because I think it is surprising to me how much work you do need to do preparing someone to get on video, and most of that preparation is nothing to do with the microphone or their hair or makeup. It's to do with the way they're thinking about themselves, exposing themselves in in that way, and uh, I mean, just I mean, just on that, I mean, it is it is an important thing. And for me personally, not not worrying or being concerned about what others think, um, as long as you are on the, the proverbial side of the line where you are not being a hindrance or annoying to the human race. You know, you are you are a holistically good person and you're just doing your, your, your thing right in, in life. And so uh, I think it's just important And we, we my wife and I, we, we actually deliberately sometimes do something which which really tests that. You know, knowing we're probably going to be judged uh, or or thought about in a different in a different way, and I just think it's important that, um, like like give you an example of that really quickly to put some context around that comment, is that we uh, we were generally in a rush, so we had to go to the supermarket. Let's just say we 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 went to the supermarket straight out of bed, so we we're in a bit of our pajamas, dressing gown, and whatnot. We ordered a coffee at the supermarket. And I said, actually, what do you think about us being here? She goes, oh, I thought you had just come out of the hospital. <laughs> and so the point is, it's it's funny, right? In the sense that you're like, really? I never would have thought that. <laughs> I never would have thought that's what you thought is where we came from. And so, but again, it's just it's just a moment where you really test that. You know you're being thought about. You know you're being judged. But who cares? Really? Well, well and, you know, the uh, thing is... My, yeah. Go, the thing sorry. is, Nick, most, most most people do care, uh, you know, and yeah. particularly if you work in a traditional job in a large organisation, you know, it's very much, you know, we, we come out of this education system, which is binary. There's a right answer and a wrong answer. And we're for 12 years of schooling or longer, we're going to put you through the system. And if you don't deliver the right answers, we're going to yeah. reprocess you through the system until you yeah. get the right answers. And then we go into the workplace. And so we take this thinking with us. And we, you know, there very much is a fear that if I say yeah. the wrong thing, I'm going to be judged. But but on the other side of that, there's also an arrogance to thinking that what you say is that important or what you do is that important that other people are going to remember it and it's going to affect their lives so much. And and when I say it's arrogant, because I had to come to that acceptance myself because when I started to think, you know, actually people don't care about what I do or what I say most of the time. They aren't going home at night and around the dinner table and saying, my God, that Julian Mather. Do you remember what he said today? No, I am gone out of their mind because real life takes over. What they've got to buy at the shops. Are they going to pick their kids up from school at the real at the right time? That's important to them. I'm not important. But so it does take a process of adjustment and almost self-awareness 
which is what you were saying before. Most of the work that I do with people now is not telling them how to press buttons. It's how to undo this story in their head that they've told themselves, which actually when you, you know, when I work with people, I, I put them through like little tests and every time the story they've told themselves actually doesn't play out. <laughs> it doesn't come true. Uh, and huh. you just realise that this is nowhere near as damaging as you perceive it to be. Yeah, and, it, it, and there's there's almost, um, um, you know, there are some things, some tactical things I think organisations can do. And so one of the things I've realised, because, uh, you know, we, we connected a few years back, right, around public speaking, and we both love that. It's part part of our genes. But I've learned a little bit recently since in, in the time that I've known you. And that is when, when people talk about a fear of speaking, which is close to fear of looking in the lens. Um, I've realized that uh, fr through evidence, uh, I, I run a, a Toastmaster club and I see people walk in timid. You know, that, that I suppose that cliched view of you seeing someone that's taken the plunge and walked through the proverbial door of a Toastmaster club, right? never having done it before, knowing that they really want to improve this skill. And what I've realized is I don't know necessarily it's based around a fear of speaking. What I've seen evidence of is this, is that that proverbial kind of timid, which I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that at all, but that, that timid kind of personality suddenly lightens up when they're, they're, they're asked or prepared something relating to something that they really care about and that they're really passionate about. So I've realized that potentially, and I challenge the status, I challenge the status quo, if I can put it like that, where maybe it's not a fear of public speaking, how outlandish. Maybe it's just a lack of clarity in message. Because I've realized that when you get clearer on who you're serving and what they need and how you can help them, the message seems to manifest. And, it, and, 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 said timid person seems to be able to then articulate themselves in in quite a succinct and well you know um confident way so i'm thinking hmm okay and so maybe it's the same with with video maybe it's not necessarily the fear of looking in the lens or or some hindrance around that maybe it's going back to the hindrance around well if you if i do go in front of the lens what am i saying well who, who am i saying it to so maybe some of the maybe some of the things that we can do in the business world it is put some boundaries around it provide guidelines to our people to say we want you to get out in market we, we the market wants this type of content here's some ideas around what you can speak about this month or here's some news that we're happy for you to share uh you know and giving some format around it because when you've got clarity of message and you've got clarity of who wants to hear that message maybe that confidence threshold moves up and you're encouraging your people to use this channel to share that message. See, I'm surprised that you're even saying that, Nick, because to me, salespeople, to me, have the ultimate clarity of who the audience is, you know, who yeah. their avatar, who their market is, and they've got ultimate clarity of message. See, I don't see any difference to using video to making a phone call. I, and no. this is one of the things I'm trying to understand is what is the resistance within particularly larger organisations when all day they have their salespeople on the phone talking to other mm. people. Now, of course, there's some monitoring 
of that, but generally it's not someone standing there measuring every you know word that you say. Hmm. Video is is just another tool which is going to put us face to face when we deliver yeah. these same messages. Yeah, I mean, I think it comes back down to though. Um, going back to those words that I got confused with before, asynchronous and synchronous. And I suppose a, a telephone call is an example of synchronous, but also, you know, the, the, the words aren't maintained after you've, you know, put the proverbial headset down. Whereas I think then it goes back to this thing around, but video is a bit more pervasive. It's, it, it's end, it hasn't got such a, um, a deliberate end of life. So, so that's where I think providing some guidelines around yes all right you you know the product you've got clarity you've got clarity of message um but now it's understanding with video it, it, i i see it as a slightly different format in the sense that maybe the message you're sharing and who you're sending that to and who's able to view that message is slightly different to say a telephone call to one person so i think it's giving guidelines just around for, for and this will be specific to organizations based on their product um based on their go-to-market whether it's direct to customer via partners both um you know it it, it will depend organization by organization but then i think it comes back to your role the chief video officer whose maybe responsibility is then to provide and publish guidelines and provide confidence so i don't think it's going back my thought was my original thought sorry and i kind of jambled it is you're right, there is a clarity of message. We do know the product. And you'd like to think if you've been in a company for a while, you've got to know what the customer wants. I, so what video has done is it's added one more element. And that is where if I can put my, my myself into the mind of if I was prospecting and trying to grow a pipeline, I may have a second thought around, you know, is, uh, is this the way that the company wants me to communicate this way? Am I able, able to say this, for example? So I think giving some confidence, I suppose, yeah, I don't like to call it this, but do's and don'ts list as that, that you know, to, to kind of um, fulfill any questions marks around that, that additional element, hopefully then makes everyone say, great, excellent. I now know what I can and cannot do. For those that are comfortable, let's get on video. Let's share this message. That's a great idea. And I don't know whether... I I see much evidence of those kind of guidelines being published. That's that's where I'm going with it. All right. Okay. That's 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 a pretty new thought for me. I really haven't explored that. Um, and it's interesting you're saying too about what you're saying is that people don't like video because, in a sense, it's being on the record. And you know, um, uh, Matt Church, who uh, runs Thought Leaders, uh, he explained yeah. uh, he explains this this way that there's four levels of commitment. And the first level of commitment is money. So if you wanted to mm. uh, access or be something like, oh, yeah, I'm willing to pay the, the, the money. Then the next level of commitment after that is time because anyone can pay the money, mm. but are you going to put the time in to make mm. it actually happen? Yeah. And then yeah. the next level of commitment above that is effort because you can put the money in, you can yeah. put the time in, but, you know, like, hey, are you really going to try your hardest at this? And then you hit the barrier, and this is the barrier most people get to, and this is particularly true with video, because the next and the highest level of commitment is identity. When mm. you have to put your identity on the line, when you have to say, 
this is what I think and I believe. And it's just the same as we give a, a recommendation to someone. Mm-hmm. We refer someone on. On you go, well, you know, please, you know, respect, you know, my trust I'm putting in you. Uh, because you, you know, it's my identity that that I'm putting on the line here. So this is one of the barriers that that that, that people think. Uh, but of course, most most people haven't had to even explore this 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 idea. They just um, it's it's this intuitive thing. You just just put I. I work with people who are you just speak to them, you go, you are amazing, and they just see the glass of a camera lens. And this is I always say. It's glass, not kryptonite. You know, like kryptonite with Superman would sap him of his powers if he got near it. That's what a camera lens is like for a lot of people. They are these Mm. amazing people uh, who do so much in their business and help so many people, their customers and clients, put glass near them. (sighs) Mm. Yeah, it is surprising. I mean, even now, right, Not I don't want to turn it on to myself too much, but... I mean, the setup here is that you're on a different screen, but I realized that from a viewing standpoint, it's important we're both looking into our lenses as if we're looking at each other, right? So I'm actually looking into a camera lens as permanently as I possibly can without looking at you, right? And I, re- But back a year ago, the, 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 the temptation to do this all the time, right, was, was huge. And um, I was only saying to... to, to 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 a bunch of guys that that i spent some time with early on a saturday morning i was saying that it's interesting we we would do it we do these kind of quite hardcore exercises early in the morning on saturday as a, as a bunch of guys as a group right and one of them is we run up a very steep flight of stairs for 30 minutes fun <laughs> i really recommend it um and uh but i i realized that that the, the first time i did it was was <laughs> not good um, and by the end, I was, I was, you know, just, just, well, basically pulling myself up the stairs, right? The, the last set I did at the weekend, I was doing two steps pretty much the whole, the whole time. And I was dribbling towards the end, but, and I realized there's my new normal, you know, that, that your normal can change. You know, you can have a new normal, you can update your normal. And so I, re- I realized that, you know, with, with camera, it's going to feel awkward. You're going to be crawling up the stairs initially. But after all, the new normal is just to look into a lens, not being distracted by anything else and just being able to stare into a lens as if you are speaking to someone. That's the new normal. And so I did, it, it, so in, from that perspective, being comfortable talking into a lens and speaking to camera is developing a skill much like any other. And what does that need? It just needs time, dedication. But then it goes back to, I suppose you need you need to have a, a reason why you want to dedicate that time, and energy and effort, right? And so you know, for me, it came from the necessity. For me, it was necessity. It's my livelihood. It's my living, right? For others, they may not have that, but then they could have a why or a reason around. It's what their customers want. It's what their partners want. It's what their constituents need. It's what their cohort requires. And so, so it's just it's just really. It's really important, and I think it's we have to realise that I've all got I've got young children, um, two coming into teenage years, one's in a teenage year, and I'm saying to them right now, I want to teach you this skill of being comfortable talking into a lens as if people are there. I want you to learn it. 
because by the time they do whatever they do, whether it's in the workforce or their own gig, this this is going to be such an important medium to be comfortable being you on. And I, it touches on what you're saying there, Julian. I think that maybe video, it, the vi video is not the problem. The camera's not the problem. The lens is not the problem. It's highlighted an underlying issue. And we're going to get a bit deep and meaningful, so bear with me. But talking about I, that beautiful um, stages of engagement, was that what it was in stages of engagement? Is that what you said? That money, time, um, yeah, uh, well, and... well, it's the levels of commitment. Commitment. And it comes back to that, that, that thing around showing you, you know, my identity. This is what I stand for. These are my ideas. This is what I want to broadcast. And they're, they're, they're absolutely is, is I, I don't know whether you would call it an issue, but certainly increasingly, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of a fear or whatever it is, uh, a hurdle mental hurdle physical hurdle around sharing what you believe and sharing what you what your philosophy is in a certain on a certain topic and uh and it, and it comes back to that that thing that that you know staring into a lens sharing that editing it and then pressing the the send button and wherever that goes for some people is just too much to take they just don't want to expose themselves that way but as you teach and I'll finish here, and I completely agree with it, is that the, the irony around that is, is that it's the very thing the world needs, you. <laughs> and yeah. so, and expressing you as you express you, you know, and so it, it needs, it, we need you. We need you. The world needs you. Please share you. And video is such an efficient way of doing it. And it's also what works brilliantly now, uh, authentic video. And there's a lot of argument, not argument, discussion about what does authentic mean. To me, it's really simple. You're the same on camera as you are off camera. Someone heard you on screen and they met you in the street. They go, oh, you're the same person. Okay, you're authentic. Uh, and it works so, so well, which is great for everybody getting into video for the first time because it means you don't have to change who you are. And that's an enormous burden off, off your shoulders. Yet the, the irony is, is that everyone thinks that they have to look and you know, try to be like somebody else. Uh, and it, it, uh, as consumers, as the audience, as the viewer, as the customer, when we watch that, it's like the bullshit detector that we've, that we've all got when we meet people out in the street. You know, you just sense, you, it's, it's unspoken. You just sense something is off and it actually works against you when all along all you had to do was just turn up and be who you are. Always remembering that we all like different flavours of ice cream. I mean, you know, there's no, that's why we've got a hundred other flavours rather than just vanilla. There's not one way that you, you have to be. Who you are, you're going to find an audience out there and you're going to find people who don't like you. They just don't. They don't like the cut of your jib. Much as people look at me and they go, oh, God, they just, you know, but people tell me, don't like, you know, don't like what you do. That's all good. That's all good. You go find someone else. I'll talk to the yeah. people who do resonate with me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to, I suppose, what I thought was an irrelevant story maybe isn't so much anymore. And that is, you know, go, you know, do what is the equivalent of you walking into a supermarket with your pajamas on. Right. And so, and who cares? Right. I don't, you know, 
Um, so, so it's re really, really important. I think coming back as well is, is I find that the comments I get when people, you know, they're fine talking to you in conversation and you, you go, okay, let's, let, let's go now and shoot the, the thing. And they go, Oh, and they get in front of the camera and they go, oh. um, and, and it's like, what do I say? I said, well, we just practice it downstairs. And so, so I think there's also this, this, uh, I think what it comes back to is when when you're when you're working with people in a room, and you're talking, you are whether probably subconsciously actually taking cues from a look, or a <clears throat> or or someone looking a bit impatient, so you may hurry up, right? But when you're talking into a camera, you're getting none of that. <laughs> so I think there's also an unsettling around not getting those, and it is subconscious. I think the way that we may adapt what we're saying, how we're saying it, based on what we're getting from other human beings which is something you don't you don't get on camera but then that goes back to i suppose your methodology around giving you know pr the preparation that you do prior to then ever kind of putting yourself on camera which can g give you a bit more confidence around you know what you're saying and how long it is and where maybe you put a bit of emotion tone you know whatever speed up slow down so it comes into the preparation doesn't it but I think that's also maybe it's something that that feedback loop's not there, which I think really unhinges some people. Yeah, yeah, that's a, it's that. I mean, that is really important that feedback loop. I just want to take it from the inner now to the outer. I guess from the micro to the the macro, from the individual to the departments. So, what 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 in your experience with um, sales departments? Now they see video coming on as video is this new tool. They might not have the drive yet, or they don't feel you know the customer is yelling loud enough. But I know that they have resistance about. Well, let me just go back. At that other departments have resistance to handing over uh, external communication, which mm -hmm. uh, you know external comms departments traditionally think that's that's their role. And it's just this idea that, well, we can't have other people on video um, representing our organisation, whereas, you know, you're, you're, as I was saying before, it's not much different to making a phone call to using video in the sales process. So have you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, again, I don't think it's a silver bullet, and I think you're right. You know, I think video has opened up a whole heap of opportunity, but it's also opened up a whole heap of new consideration that, that maybe companies just didn't have, just didn't have before. Right. And I suppose historically, if you were going to do video, it sat in the lap of whether it be marketing and or communications. And if you've got an internal communications organizational development, even who may be publishing internal things for, for, for people. But now it's, you know, it's kind of really opened up, isn't it? So I think I think really it's now a case of, of saying, OK, well, rather than kind of wait and see what's going to happen, I think we can just assume now that that video is now part of our engagement to the market and it's potentially going to, and the expectation of that's going to probably increase. So we're now it's a case of saying, okay, well, we need to kind of sit down and begin to start looking at, okay, across the entire value chain, if I can put it like that. And the value chain being, let's say in a sales value chain, it would be from initial engagement, first introduction, getting to know a business all the way through to not just getting new business, but then even invoicing, servicing, um, customer success management, training, the whole value chain. And maybe you begin to start going, okay, well, video's here to stay. Let's have a look at who's responsible for what stage and what is the 
what is then the baton change? What does that look like? If we're going to use video during the sales process, what parts of the sales process are responsible for, for what, right? Or who's responsible for what? When we get through to then ne contract negotiation, closing, is there a handoff? Is that then something that um, customer service, customer success begin then to take? And there's a bit of a handover video even. So one of the ideas I've proposed to people is to say, look, when you do have a new business, a new customer come on board or a, a new part of a business come on board, you know, send a video saying, welcome, and here's your team. You know, let me introduce you to Jessica, right? And Jessica will now be your main point of communication. And then the handoff occurs wherever video features in that part of the value chain. So I think it's a, like a racy document, you know, roles, responsibilities, who's accountable, who needs, who needs to be communicated to. And, and that decision's made. It's quite a deliberate meeting or set of meetings that businesses have to see, okay, where does video feature and who's responsible for what? Um, and, and handover. Who who's using video well in sales now? Oh, you've 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 kind of put me on the spot. But but I, the only the answer I can give to you is just examples I've seen on on LinkedIn. So there's a there's a couple of HubSpot resellers who are just using video. Brilliant! It just just fantastic. Um, I've seen a I've seen an example video. Um, I think again from a HubSpot reseller where they um, they did, it was more of that handover video. So passing over from sales to customer success and both videos were examples of where they were able to inject some humor. That's always dangerous, right? Because, you know, if it's not funny, then it kind of do, can, can be a bit counterproductive. But um, so uh, I think that the, 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 the ones at that kind of, um, bottom of that bell curve, you know, beginning to get towards are those kind of what I've seen is software as a service, kind of mid-size, um, or or sorry, their client base would be kind of mid-market kind of customers, maybe not so much enterprise, maybe not government. So, and and have responded really really well, and and are open to using platforms like, and of course, that I think the synonymous one. With, with that type of prospecting video, introductory video, is is our mates over at at Vidyard, and so uh, yeah, I think any any companies and there's research tools. Uh, there's the built with platform, which allows you to assess companies using particular particular technologies. So I think maybe inverting that and saying, okay, which companies are big spenders, big users of those types of video prospecting tools, video hosting tools like Vidyard. There's others. And you know, doing a bit of a search in built with uh, would 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 probably give you some insight into the type of companies that will be using that type of technology, and give you a, and and then obviously you can look up their social profiles and see what they're doing. Look, you've given me a lot of insights here today, Nick. Were you willing to come back and uh, talk more about mindset and any answer any more questions that I have about video and sales? Oh, when you say mindset, of course, let's do it tomorrow. No, of course I will. Love chatting with you every time. Terrific. Talk soon.